Welcome to Arise Church, where we exist so that you can experience God. I pray that this message will encourage, inspire, and grow your faith in God. Enjoy the message. Well, we get to start our love song series, and you and I get to kick it off. Yay! You guys are in for a treat because Madonna's going to preach, and I'm going to sit and watch. No, I'm just kidding. I'm not going to sit and watch. She would probably shoot me. You all know better. (laughs) (laughs) But I thought, you know, what better way to start our love song series than to kind of relive some of the love songs that have been important to my wife and I in our life. You're going there, aren't you? I am. Just so you know, he said, I have an intro and you can't see the notes. (laughs) You know, I kind of, one of the ways that I won her was by singing to her. Yeah. The very first time that I sang to her, we were at Disney. Surprise, surprise. Yeah. If you know her, I mean, Disney shirts and all. If you know her, then you know we were at Disney. But I got her up on a bench outside of the Contemporary Hotel right by the water, and I held her hand. I said, I can show you the world. (laughs) Shining, shimmering, splendid. Tell me, princess, now when did you last let your heart decide? Oh man, let me tell you, I opened her eyes. Sermon over, peace out. (laughs) But you know, uh, the love songs kind of continued for us. Because even though that was this great moment where I really, that was one of those moments where I kind of won her heart. There were moments after that that were kind of tough, before the wedding. There were moments where people told us that they didn't believe in us. That they didn't believe that we could have a future. That they didn't believe that we could make it. And I remember walking around a lake. And I remember it was Lake Hollingsworth in Lakeland. And I remember us just wrestling with this and talking through this. And I looked at her and a song came to my heart and it became a love song for us where I said, God will make a way where there seems to be no way. He makes a way we cannot see and he will make a way for us. He will be our guide. Hold us closely to his side With love and strength For each new day He will make a way And he will make a way Just so you know, he sang that to me on our wedding day. I did. I did. And then the song got to change a little bit. Because we were married at that point. (laughs) So then the song changed to something like this. Close your eyes, make a wish, and blow out the candlelight. Cause tonight, it's just your night. We're gonna celebrate all through the night. I won't go any further. I know there are children in the room, I know. Let me tell you, I did sing further. I did sing further. But you know, after these precious moments of singing a song about this beautiful love that we had, there were also these moments of tension for us. 
I got married, when, when we got married, I was 20 years old. Let me tell you, I did not understand life. I did not understand marriage. I did not understand this beautiful, complex, gorgeous woman. And there were moments where I was just trying to figure it out. But there got a moment, there came a moment where I kind of had a song that, that figured it out. Kind of goes like this, to really love a woman, to understand her, you gotta know her deep inside. Hear every thought, see every dream, give her the wings when she wants to fly. Then when you find yourself lying helpless in her arms, you know you really love a woman. Come on, help me out. When you love a woman, you tell her that she's what you wanted. When you love a woman, you tell her that she's the one. Cause she needs somebody to tell her that it's gonna last forever. Well, that was high. Tell me, have you ever really, really, really ever loved a woman? Yes, I have. <laughs> you know, when we had kids and things changed, you know, I got gray hair. She has not. Oh, yes, I have. Beautiful no. coloring helps. She hasn't aged, I have. You know, you look at my teenage pictures and I look like I'm a little kid, or, or my, my marriage pictures you look like I'm a little kid, and now people ask uh, how much older I am than she is. <laughs> Just so that you know, I am younger than she is. I know I look older, but I'm younger. And baby, you're still the one that makes me laugh. You're still the one that's my better half. We're still having fun, and you're still the one. And now we're in this new season, and let me tell you, the new seasons are fun. This new season is an empty nest season. And let me tell you, our house is now the love shack is a little old place where we can get together. The love shack, baby. Listen, let me tell you, we're gonna have some fun in this series. Y'all ready to have some fun? I believe that church should be fun, and let me tell you that there is nothing wrong with the love between a husband and wife, and we're gonna celebrate that in this series. We're going to celebrate the love that God's given us. But for some of us, our song may not look or sound like that. Maybe our song for the last couple of years has been Love is a Battlefield. So what, what happens? What happens when he or she has lost that loving feeling? Or you look across the dinner table and you see how they are shallow. Yeah. Perhaps you have another sad love song. Or maybe you feel like you've come to the end of the road. 
Although we've come, I sang that in high school. I'm old, okay. <laughs> Now's the time to recognize that this mess is mine. Because nobody wants to be lonely. Nobody plans for our marriage to fall apart. Yeah, marriages don't stay together simply because you fooled around and fell in love. You are better together. And today we want to talk about marriages because God designed you to be together and God designed you to stay together. But some of us have fallen into this trap of what happens to everything in our world and it's this idea that we find in physical science called entropy. It's this idea that a system left to itself will decline into disorder or chaos. And let me tell you, entropy works on your marriage. And if you leave your marriage to itself, it will decline into disorder or chaos. And this morning, this message is for all marriages in the room. Those who have not been found yet, and those who've been married for 40 or 50 years because if you don't take care of your marriage, it will fall into disorder and chaos. We've gotta take some intentional steps. We're gonna have to put some work into our marriages to make them work. So let me help you out, husbands. I want you to look into your wife's eyes right now. Just find her, look into her eyes right now. Yup, look deeply into her eyes. Get into a place where you can just look her in the eye. Wife, yep. Just look at her. Wives, look back. Don't make it weird. (laughs) Come on now. Look into my eyes and you will see what you mean to me. Come on, husbands. I'm helping you out. Search your heart. Search your soul, and when you find me there, you'll search no more. You can't tell me it's not worth dying for. You can't tell me it's not worth trying for. You know it's true, and everything I do, I do it for you. Yeah. Now listen, we can't just be awkward like that in church. Y'all, y'all need to be okay with looking into your spouse's eyes. It's a love series, y'all. Come on now. It's all good. But it isn't just a pretty song that we sing that fixes everything. It's part of it, but there's so, so much more. So this morning we are going to talk about how. How do we turn the fighting that may be happening in our marriage into the fighting for our marriage? Yeah, and I think the first step in that is that we have to talk about priority because priority is important. What are your priorities? The definition of priority is the fact or condition of being regarded or treating as more important. Too often we have priorities that are misaligned. Many times they're misplaced. Sometimes the priorities aren't even the same. Even though we may be from the same religion, same background, 
we may be out of place. Many times, wives, we put kids before our husband. Mm. We put putting our house together before our husband. Husbands, many times, it's all about the work. How can I provide for the family? And somewhere along the way, we get lost. And I'll be honest with you, most fights occur because we don't have similar priorities. We don't have priorities that connect. And when we don't, those priorities will fight. Mm -hmm. And so we've gotta do some work. We've gotta change this backstreet boy mindset of, I want it that way. Because some of us are actually singing that in our marriage. No, we're not singing it out loud, but we're singing it with our actions. We're singing it with our priorities. We're singing it with the way that we think. And we've got to shift our mindset from being single. You're not single anymore. I'm not, baby, I'm not single anymore. Ooh, doggy, no. (laughs) And we've got to look out, stop looking out for ourselves and look out for our marriage. Mm to place the priority on our marriage. Remember, she defined priority, we define priority as the condition of being regarded or treated as more important. And we've gotta talk about these things. We've gotta put these priorities out in the open where we can have conversation about it. It's not his priorities rule, it's not her priorities rule. You are now one flesh, scripture tells us that Now, a man and a woman should come together and the two have become one flesh. So that means as a couple, as a family, we set the priority. We set the priority. So you gotta talk about it so that you can pursue the same goal. So what are biblical priorities? Let's ask that question. There are so many things that will fight for your attention. So if you're not fighting for something, something else is gonna fight for you and for the attention that you have. It's gonna be your job, it's gonna be your wife, it's gonna be God, kids, church, money, car, your boss, parents, retirement, all of those things can take place if you have your uh, mission misaligned. But Jesus really gives us a response, doesn't he? In Mark chapter 12, verse 29 through 21, Jesus kinda helps us to align these priorities. Why don't you read it, baby? He does. He says, the most important one, answered Jesus, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than this. And I think this verse is really unique because it sets out biblical priority for us, for our life. Jesus The most important priority, of course, is God, first, foremost. Your relationship with him, our relationship with him, that's the greatest love song that'll ever be sung in your life. It's greater than your spouse's love song, the relationship that we have with God. That's the most important thing. But, But Jesus then put something else second. He said, love your neighbor as yourself. Notice what he didn't say. He didn't say, love the synagogue as yourself. He didn't say, love the temple as yourself. He didn't say love your work as yourself, love your purpose in life as yourself. He said love your neighbor. And Jesus was ordering things by saying, you know what, it's God first and then it's people. It's people. So how do we order the people in our life? Well, I'm gonna get really pragmatic here, really practical. Uh, Something that I think will save you in the long term 
You know, you, you start with those who sleep the closest to you. The one who sleeps the closest to you should be your priority. Amen. Why? Because they should also carry your greatest trust. If I'm willing and able to sleep in front of them, to sleep exposed to them, then I should trust them the most. They should be the greatest investment and the greatest priority in my life. And then go outward. Now, this is really practical. It's not biblical necessarily, but I think it's true. I think it fits. So if I go outward from that circle, from the one who sleeps closest to me, the one who sleeps next closest to me are those who are in my household. When my kids are there, it would be my kids. And then it goes out from there, probably more, more appropriately by relationship, by my parents, my extended family, people, people that are friends and close to me. But notice that Jesus doesn't list a thing in front of people. But how often do we struggle listing things in front of people? How often do we struggle putting, putting that assignment, that job, up in front of everybody? But what should come after the people are the things because the things can always be replaced. Husband, let me say a really hard thing to you. You can always get more another job. You can always get more money. You, you cannot re-get the woman that God gave you as the woman of your dreams. She's the one. She's the one. Put her first. Put her first. We've got to make sure that we have these things in order. And then when you get to the things, I would say look at what's foundational in your life. Look at what's foundational in, in who God's called you to be that foundation probably should start somewhere close to church. <laughs> Why? Because God's called us to fellowship with other people, with other believers. He's called us to build relationship. It should then, should then go to some of those things that are foundational. You know what, if you don't have a job, then you're probably gonna struggle paying your house note, right? Does that make sense? So we make the job a priority over our house. Eh? None of y'all who are calling into work so that you can mow your lawn, right? That just doesn't make any sense. So we put those things that are foundational. And here's the thing. We have to set priority first in order to figure out how to fight for our spouse. Otherwise, we may be fighting for a priority that may not be ours, and I may be fighting for a priority that's mine that conflicts with a priority that's hers. And if that's the case, if I fight for my priority and she fights for her priority and they conflict, what's going to happen? We're going to fight, right? Now, I know y'all don't believe that we ever fight because we're perfect, right? Because we get to sit up here. Y'all quiet this morning. But we do. We do. And oftentimes, it's when we don't have those priorities straight. It's when we haven't sat down and agreed on those priorities. Now, we talked about some biblical guidelines, but here's what I want to encourage you guys to do when you leave here. Sit down with your spouse and talk about what your priorities in life and come to a place of agreement where your family's priorities should align. And you know what? When you have similar priorities, then all of a sudden we get to start changing from I'm fighting you for what I want to now yeah, I would fight for you. I'd lie for you. Probably not because I'm a pastor. I'm not supposed to lie. 
I'd walk the wire for you. No, because I'm afraid of heights. Walking wires is kind of not my thing. I'd walk on the edge of the stage for you. What's up? And I'd die for you. You know it's true. And everything I do, I do it for God and you. So let's ask this question. Do we spend more time fighting for our spouse's needs or for our own? We must fight to give more than we take. See, what you don't know is that, yeah, we do. We have our struggles. We have our arguments. But the fun side of it is we fight for each other. There's moments we came up with a game, the greatest adventure, to see who could win in our home. When I, he walks in the door, I make sure that he has his water ready for dinner. And I'm not allowed to get my drink because he wants to do that for me. We are fighting for each other to win. We want to get, to he- get ahead to make sure our love is showing. Yeah, and it's this, it's this fight, and sometimes it happens even in these basic little things. And I would just ask you the question, how are you fighting for your spouse? Because oftentimes, we, we say it like this, I will do anything for love. But I won't do that. No, no, no. I won't do that. What are you saying I won't do that to? Because maybe that's the very thing that you need to do to fight for them. Maybe it's a text in the middle of the day, which I'll be really honest and tell on myself, that is really hard for me to do. It is really hard for me to remember. You think he's a little bit busy during the day. It's hard for me to remember. It's hard for me to, 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 to take my mind and st- because I'm that one-track focus. Anybody else a one-track focus guy? Yeah, I see some guys. Yeah, amen. Thank you. We'll have altar call later. One-track focus. And so I get, on, I get on this one track, and I am like on the railroad track until somebody rings the bell. And sometimes ringing the bell is her texting me. It's like, oh, my goodness, I haven't talked to her all day. And it's hard for me, but I have to make that effort to reach out to her and to talk to her, to text her every once in a while because that's something that's important to her. I fight to give more than I take. I fight to give more than I take. You know, divorce doesn't usually happen between two selfless people. Usually it's between two selfish people or a selfish person and somebody who's not and who's had enough. You know, it's kind of like if I take two fists and begin to mash them together, you know, it provides a lot of pain. That hurts. If you ever do that for a while, it's almost the, the, the way, the example of two selfish people trying to come together. And some of us, this is the nature of our marriage and the nature of our life because we've come into marriage looking out for me and making sure that I protect me. And we're coming in in a way that when we're looking out for me, we're approaching our spouse with a fist. And all we're going to do really is hurt ourselves and hurt our spouse. And if you're both approaching with a fist, you're probably going to end up in not a good place. Where, you know, if, if I will approach marriage with open hands, serving, oh, that, that would work, right? It ends up being a great match and a great pair. Selfless. I'm open. We want to be selfless. We want to be selfless, and we want to fight to serve. You know, she mentioned, she mentioned that the idea of us 
getting a drink for each other and not letting the other one get a drink. And that's our thing, so don't go home and try to steal that. Your wife, guys, your wife will look at you and say, don't just copy Pastor Ken, come on. Okay, so don't, don't go home and try to steal that. But you need to find your own way to serve your wife. Find your own way to serve her because fighting to serve is something also that Jesus did. We look at Jesus and the life of Jesus and, and what he did, and, and I want to read you a scripture here. In Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25, it says, Husbands, this means love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave up his life for her. Jesus fought even his own nature, his own human nature, because in the Garden of Gethsemane, we know he was fully God, fully man. In the Garden of Gethsemane, he had this human nature moment that said, Father, if it's your will, let this cup pass from me. But then he said, nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. But we see this picture of Jesus' servanthood earlier in Scripture as well. After a long day of walking, and, and the roads were where animals walked as well, and they wore open-toed sandals. Now, let me just give you a picture here. If you've ever been on a farm, then you know that animals, wherever they walk, they also go to the bathroom. They don't differentiate the places. So the disciples had just walked through all of this feces along the road, stepped in puddles perhaps, and they come into this home and it was customary to wash your guests' feet, to wash their hands when they come into this home. But the host had somehow missed that, and so Jesus, having every right to look at his, one of his disciples and say, hey, Peter, would you go grab the basin? They missed it. Would you go grab the basin and wash people's feet? We want to clean people up for dinner. But instead, he goes and grabs a towel and grabs the wash basin and comes and washes the poopy toes, God. Man, I, I've got to stand up because I need you to get this. He washes the poopy toes of his disciples. Jesus, fully God, fully man, gets on his knees in front of his disciples and washes the poop off. And then Paul says, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. Now hopefully your, our wives are not walking in fecal matter. Please don't. I would wash your feet, but please don't. But let's ask this question. What's that one place that you don't wanna serve that feels like you're washing poo off that needs to be the place that we serve? And husbands, when we lead the way in this, you set an atmosphere of service that your wife is waiting for. She wants to be in this atmosphere. She will jump on in this atmosphere, let me tell you. Absolutely. So then we need to move on to we have to fight to honor. We have to honor each other. That would be how we talk, to, talk about each other. When you're hanging out with your friends, you're having a girl's night out, a guy's night out, the words that come across your lips should be that of honor, loving your husband. He could have gotten on your ever last nerve before you walked out the door, but that needs to stay between you two. I'm not saying you don't need mentors. 
You need people that you can talk to, but in the realm of your friendship, those that you're closest to, it's really not the place. They need to know that he is the one for you and that there's nothing gonna come in between. And then how we also talk to each other. Yeah. See, in my world, for some whatever reason, it could have been a God thing and, or it might not have been, it just might have been something that came to mind. When my children were young and even to this day, I call my daughter beautiful. I call my son handsome. I call him my handsome man in my phone. I won't tell you what he's in there, but yeah, <laughs> it's a good name. He's my sexy man. That's who he is to me. Those words have words of life. I had people telling me when my kids were young, telling us, my word, your kids are not gonna have an ounce of issues with confidence because of the words that we spoke to them. Yeah. We have to be so very careful about how we speak to our children and how we speak to our spouse. Yeah, we really set up the atmosphere for them in that. And she didn't stop there. I'm going to tell on her. She actually took it a step farther, and she, she put words on a mural that she created with pictures of, of me, things that she believed about me, um, where she called me a leader in seasons when I wasn't. I had no positional leadership. I had no, no leadership title, but she believed in me. She believed in me before anybody else did and called me that, called me a leader and prayed about that. And let me tell you guys, when we, when we fight to honor, we can set up an atmosphere for our spouse where they can succeed, where they can believe things about themselves that are in them that, that you see. You know, we get to this place where we can, we can actually sing to them, you were my strength when I was weak. You were my voice when I couldn't speak. You were my eyes when I couldn't see. You saw the best there was in me. Lifted me up when I couldn't reach. You gave me faith cause you believed. And I'm everything I am because you love me. See, we've gotta believe that it's because they love us. See, this transitions into a lot of the things that we do, though, because what this really is talking about is it's talking about that I'm going to assume that she always has the best intentions for me. I'm going to assume that the things that she does, so, so when we set priority together, when we've talked about that, when we've chosen to fight for each other, that next step is assuming that she's fighting for me. I'm going to assume that everything that she does is fighting for me. Now, is that always true? No, because I know not everything I do is fighting for her because I'm still fighting self, right? Right. But I'm going to always assume the best about her. I'm going to assume that she's always using her strength to cover my weakness. I'm going to believe that she's always using her voice to strengthen mine. I'm gonna believe and acknowledge that she's always using her eyes on my behalf to look at things in a way that I would want to. I'm gonna assume that she sees the best in me, that she speaks the best in me, and I'm gonna believe that she's lifting me up in the things that she does and that she believes in me. We're gonna believe in the best intentions. We're gonna believe that they have the best intentions. See, when Ken and I started dating, or even into our marriage, some of the relationships that I came from, not necessarily boyfriend, girlfriend relationships, but even my parents, 
didn't always feel like they had the best intentions for me. They probably did in times, but there were other times. So brick by brick, I had built this wall up. And unfortunately, I carried that wall into our relationship. We didn't see things the, the same way many times. And because I didn't feel like he always had the best intentions with me, with, for me, because of that wall being there, that became a battle between us. And it wasn't till later, thank God it was only a few years in, but I finally realized he really does want the best for me. He has the best intentions for me. So whenever it came to that argument or that disagreement, I was able to step back and go, oh wait, he really wants the best for me. I'm sorry, I love you. I love you. Because that's where you come to the beginning of such a great relationship whenever you realize there's no harm for me. I know that I'm safe with him. Now that doesn't change the fact that there have been moments where she's had to say he wants the best for me, but that was just a dumb decision. And it's okay to have those moments where you have to say that. That, you know what, I, I disagree, but I trust your heart. I trust your heart. And understand that your spouse has the potential to live up to whatever you believe about them. They have the potential to either believe the worst that you assume or the best that you assume. And if we'll assume that she, if I'll assume that she has the best interest for me, and that's how I treat things, I give her the space to live up to that. I give her the space to live to that. But if I believe that the worst is where she is, yeah, then I'm not fighting really for her, am I? I'm fighting for me. You know, the last idea that we really want to get to you, we wanted to talk about priority this morning. We wanted to help you to fight for your spouse we wanted to help you to, to assume the best in your spouse. The last idea that we really wanted to get to you guys is you need to fight for this love of a lifetime. Fight for the love of a lifetime. Understand this, that, that marriage is supposed to last a lifetime, and that means that it probably won't be perfect at the beginning. It may never be perfect, but it's yours. And just know that love that lasts a lifetime, it never happens by luck. It's a lot of hard work. A lot hard of choice. Work. A lot of choice. If you want your love to last a lifetime, you've got to choose it. We've got some folks in here who've been married a long time. I know Jim and, and Chris, you guys just recently celebrated 50 years. It's been a lot of choices. Yeah. Amen. A lot of choices to say, I'm gonna, I'm gonna choose to stay with them. I'm gonna choose that this love lasts a lifetime. That it's gonna survive. I'm gonna choose for it to last. So here's the thing. Don't get discouraged by the battles. By lost battles. What, what really is a lost battle? A lost battle is a moment of selfishness. We've had them. They don't go away. We have to fight it on a daily basis. An argument where you don't think the best of them or even raising your voice or using degrading words. As much as we don't want to, as much as I love this man, your frustration can come out. It has in me 
And we have to be careful to not let those words come out of our mouth. But there are going to be moments, like you said, where we are going to lose the battle. And we've lost some battles. There have been moments where we've messed up. There was a moment just the other day where we were talking about something so simple as which car we were going to take. And all of a sudden, it turned into this big argument because I had assumed one thing. She had assumed one, another thing. And let me tell you, we were, I, I, was, I, was, um, I was like Balaam's donkey in that moment. Some of you got that. Did it really matter which car we went in? It really didn't. Nope. And we had to come back to this place where we said, you know what? I lost this battle because I spoke in a moment of selfishness. Do you know how you recognize that? Here it is. Men, I'm going to change your life, revolutionize your marriage. Ready? <laughs> Are you ready? Here we go. Y'all not ready. You're just, you're just not even leaning in. You're not even looking for it. I mean, come on. I'm getting ready to, to give you gold here. Three words. I am sorry. I am sorry. Why? Because repentance can be the, the arrow that breaks through a brick wall in a moment of tension. Repentance. And if you'll just say, I'm sorry, I know because that's what happened the other night. And, and I'll be honest, it wasn't me that time, I don't think. It, I think it was you. It doesn't matter. But it doesn't matter. <laughs> I'm just trying to brag on her. But one of us said, I'm sorry. That's this recognition that, hey, listen, we lost the battle. We lost the battle. Both of us, both of us stepped into this battle. We just lost it. But we kept our marriage. But we kept our marriage by saying, I'm sorry. And then what we did is we even came back to another step and we said, you know what? Let's reconfirm the priority. You know how we did that? Just a couple more simple words. I love you. Why? Because that affirmation of our love reset the priority, that the priority is us. Not whose car we're driving. Not what we're doing or how we're getting there. The priority is us. And let me tell you, if you're like us, then you've probably lost a couple of battles and maybe you'll lose one again this week or maybe today, maybe next month because I know y'all are way more holy than us. But when you do, I want to encourage you. Use those things. Don't let a battle steal your marriage. Cut through the battle with I'm sorry. Reset your priority with I love you. And then we've, we've done things, you know, we talked about words of life. And I wanna, we're going to put something on the screen here in a second. It's an affirmation that we did. We did a little group with young married couples, and, and we did this every week, an affirmation. But it's, we really believe that words have power. And husbands, I want to encourage you to take a picture of this, and I want to encourage you to go home and write your own affirmation. It's really kind of a pledge to your wife. And let me tell you, we need to speak words to our wives. If you don't want to take pictures because it's not cool for men to take pictures in church, I understand. You know, we don't take, take pictures of screen. No, it's, it's okay because Bree's going to post the them on picture. social media. And so you can get it from there. You can make your own. Don't steal mine because this is mine. But I want to read this to my wife and show you guys. It's important to speak life to them. Madonna, I will fight for you. I fight for you. 
I want the best for you. When you win, I win. If I say or do something that causes you to ever question that, I'm sorry. But know this, that I'm fighting for you, for us, and we win together. I want to encourage you, no matter where you guys find your marriage today, you can make it stronger. One of the very first steps in that is to, to fight for your marriage, to fight for priority, to fight for your spouse, to assume the best in them, to make sure that you're not going to give up, to make sure that you're not going to let go. And you got this, no matter where you find yourself. Would you stand with me, church? You know, I sang several love songs today, but I want to tell you, none of those love songs are the best. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you my opinion here. None of them are the best. I believe there is one love song that stands above all other love songs, and it's this. Jesus loves me this I know for the Bible tells me so little ones to him belong we are weak but he is and here's why because that love song tells the greatest love story. You know, my love story, I won my wife with a simple song and with, with words and with just loving her and expressing that in just very simple ways. But you know, each of us have a love story with Jesus as well. And, and let me just be real, those were not as pretty on our part. Scripture tells us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Now understand what sin is in the nature of this thing. Sin is the very thing that God hates. God hates sin. God can't be, God won't be in the presence of sin. Sin and his presence don't exist together. In fact, we know that sin is almost like the opposite of the nature of God. It's anti-God. So you and I were living in this place where we were anti-God. And when you and I were anti-God, Jesus came to this world and he climbed up on a cross of his own will, took spikes in his hands and gave up his life as the ultimate love story and love song for you and I. This is the love song that changes everything. This is the love story that fixes the nature and the pattern of our life. But maybe this morning you haven't experienced the fullness of this love story. Maybe this is the first time that you've heard about that love story. Or maybe you've heard about it and you just say, Pastor Ken, I've, I've not had the option or the opportunity to step into this love story. Well, this morning, I want to give you a chance. 
It's really simple because Jesus wants you. And all he's doing is asking you to want him and to choose him. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, would you consider subscribing and sharing this on all your social platforms? If you are moved by the message and would love to share your testimony, please email it to amen at myariseChurch.com. I pray you leave here feeling encouraged. See you next time. Thank you.